Welcome to the Science of Growth Podcast, where you'll be captivated by the fascinating world of personal development. Raymond Rivera shares dynamic insights, captivating personal accounts, and explorations into the halls of mental growth. Now sit back, brace yourself, and be transformed by the rewiring of your mind. Welcome back to another episode of the Science of Growth Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Rivera, MBA, and today is going to be a good one. We're diving deep into the dark side. It's a topic that many people find intriguing, but controversial. Now, we're going to talk about the flow state. It's also called being in the zone. How do you get in the zone? What is your dark side? Now, one thing I want to mention, this is a high ticket item for a lot of coaches out there, and I'm going to uncover it today. We're going to talk about it. First and foremost, thank you for listening again. This is episode number four, titled The Flow State and the Dark Side. Now, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, the infamous David Goggins, some of the best competitors in the present and in the past have obvious dark sides. Some competitors can control it, but some cannot. What gave them or continues to give them that competitive edge to be almost superhuman? That's what we are going to talk about today. The flow state is a place of high performance. It is a place where the greats have gone before and have learned how to turn it on and how to turn it off on demand. In this episode, we're going to take a unique approach. We're going to explore how the dark side, those hidden facets of your mind, where your secrets lie, can be harnessed to unlock new pathways into the flow state. But wait, I want to say something. I know this past week, as you were looking at your phone, reviewing the grocery list, when you accidentally almost bumped into that stranger who was looking for their favorite ragu sauce that you couldn't help but to mention to them the Science of Growth podcast. I know you couldn't help yourself. So before we continue, a special word from our sponsor. Do you want to turn your business dream into a reality? Renaissance Business Coaching can help. Our team of experienced coaches will work with you one-on-one to craft the perfect blueprint for success. Launch your business in no time with expert business coaching and financial planning. With our team at your side, you'll have the support and resources you need to reach your goals faster. Don't delay. Contact Renaissance Business Coaching at 502-305-3545 or email us at contact at rgfleadership.com. Mention the science of growth for 50% off your next service. Now back to the podcast. Okay, let's get started. First and foremost, my thoughts are my thoughts. I am not the spokesman for anyone else other than Raymond Rivera, my family, and my business. So remember, be wise when you listen to me, eat the watermelon, and spit out the seeds. And if the seeds are good enough for you, then by all means, eat the whole darn thing. Choose wisely. Now, here's the definition of flow. Here we go. Flow is a mental state where all time seems to vanish and you become hyper-focused and highly productive. But accessing this state isn't always straightforward. Sometimes you must venture into the uncharted territories of the mind. Those are the areas that you typically avoid. 
I describe this as exploring your house. The context is your internal house, where aggression, pain, and fear live. They are located in the lowest levels in your house, deep inside the basement, where the door is padlocked, and every time you come close to that door, you hear a monster inside yelling your name. It screams intently, wanting you to release it. Yet, you padlock the door because you're afraid of what you're going to see and what you'll find. However, one thing I've learned is that it's hard for many people to realize that the monster you're thinking of is not a monster at all. It's an internal figment of your imagination and subject to your control. So in this episode, we'll uncover the relationship between your dark side and achieving the elusive flow state which is the key to finding success in reaching your goal. Remember, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And your worthy ideal is that thing that you desire. It is relative, so don't go around declaring one goal as better than another one. Now that's a whole different training, so I won't get into that rabbit hole. I'm just going to talk about specific examples and tactics that I use or have used to place me into a flow state. First, let's clear something up. Everyone has secrets. I have seen, because of my past, and we'll get into details, some of the most clean, buttoned-up pastors have some of the darkest secrets you'd ever think of. It's almost to me as if the more pure that you seem, the dirtier you really are. In secret, that is. Now, it's hard for those people to be genuine because they are living their life with this burden And that burden is a false premise that they must be polished to be successful in all of their endeavors. That's simply just not true. You can be as polished as you want, but as one of my former mentors used to tell me, if I put you in their closet and showed you what happens when they are alone at night, you'd be blown away. Yes, we are all born with secrets and we all have dark sides. I find myself quoting Tim Grover more and more nowadays, but it's true. We were born relentless, and we were taught to relent. The degree to which darkness has a stronghold on an individual is relative, but we all have or continue to deal with it. Let's get into this now, defining the flow state. Before we delve deeper into the mind, let's pull apart what the flow state or being in the zone actually is. It is that optimal state of consciousness where you're fully submersed in an activity, feeling your best and performing at your best. See, in the flow state, distractions fade away and you are in complete control. When I was younger, I had a lot of things going on, right? I was a musician, I was a researcher, an entrepreneur the first time, an evangelist, a business leader, a baseball player, and much more. It didn't matter what my activity was. I always struggled to get into the zone. But when I did, all hell would break loose. See, our brains have all of these tools that were created to support our evolution. We have the prefrontal cortex, which is said to have executive function, meaning it is the conductor of the orchestra. It's important to note, however, that these are all reactionary mechanisms. Let me explain. The prefrontal cortex doesn't lead your mind. Your mind works in unison with it. When your mental faculties interpret 
a situation in a split second, the brain works together with it to reach physiological states. Now, I've mentioned mental turbulence before and paradigm stronghold on some people, and my paradigm had a huge stronghold on my decision making. I spoke about that in episode one. I needed to understand all of the details before I'd ever take a risk or make a decision. That was my paradigm. Now, this is going to get weird in a second, okay? The conscious mind, due to paradigm, through negotiation within itself, builds up tension in the mind. The primary cause is that the conscious mind is receiving multiple reference points from the imagination, some through memory recall, but others through infinite potential outcomes. I spoke about potential outcomes in episode number three. In a recent podcast discussion between Jordan Peterson and Andrew Huberman, Dr. Huberman discussed the insula and the prefrontal cortex. Let me tie all of this information together as it pertains to high performance, all right? I've uncovered something very, very interesting. Looking at the greats, they mastered their crafts through preparation. They seem to actually be calm through the storm. They actually were calm in the storm. What is it that keeps them in control in times of extreme stress and arousal or anxiety? Dr. Huberman mentioned this, and I had to dig deeper to understand this a lot better. I had to watch this podcast over and over again. But here's what I found. He mentions the insula is a part of the brain that is working with the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex for the purpose of reporting how you actually feel during a task or activity. The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex gathers that information and directs the decision-making process. It is the conductor, as I stated earlier. So that means hyper-self-awareness in how you feel, that is, whether negative or positive, whatever that means, plays a role in how decisions are made physiologically. So I feel a certain way or I feel that way are communicated via the insula to the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. I'm getting better at saying that name. Leading to a decision for or against something. I don't feel like working out or I feel lazy are instantaneously communicated between both. Here's where it gets weird and where high performers come into play. Dr. Huberman describes that when the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is deactivated transiently through non-invasive instruments, we would become as babies or animals. He states that everything would become an external stimulus. In addition, when an activity involves a motor task, such as shooting at some sort of target, think of playing pool, shooting an arrow, throwing a baseball, shooting a basketball, boxing in a fight, the person doing the activity becomes, and I quote, incredibly accurate. They literally are able to hit a target with greater accuracy. One important note or consequence to this is that the individual loses their ability to distinguish whether they're shooting or competing against an enemy or a friend. They are primarily focused on the execution of the motor task. Wow. When your dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is deactivated, not only do you become deadly accurate, but you are not able to distinguish who is a friend or an enemy. So when someone gets in the zone and the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is in the background, watch out. 
So the act of stopping to be aware of how you feel or how the body feels during the activity causes you to become less accurate in shooting or aiming for a target. That is paralysis by analysis. So to me, that sounds like being in the zone versus second guessing yourself and how you feel or what you think. Who is for you and who is against you? How many people are in the crowd? Blind execution without personal partiality. That's what I think of. Dr. Peterson mentions a trade-off between specificity and flexibility. I'm not done yet. When a person is able to access alternate possible outcomes, in other words, viewing those outcomes as alternate possibilities by way of different perspectives, a calming signal is sent to the body and actually lowers the heart rate. When you are well-versed in understanding the different possibilities that exist within the activity, you are not only well-prepared to react properly, but you are actually physiologically calm during the storm. I feel like I need to say this again. You become more adaptable to alternate rule sets through preparation, thereby leading to a calming effect that allows high performers to execute accurately. On the opposite end, however, the more detailed you are, this is very important, the more detailed you are, the more inaccurate you become during the motor task. I found a lot of clients, especially entrepreneurs, paralyzed by perfection. They are so swayed back and forth, polarized in each direction, through doubt, through fear, through uncertainty, that they fail to make a decision. But when you can follow your instinct through preparation, you are able to make that decision and be deadly accurate in achieving your target. Interesting. So, being in the flow state, or in the zone, is not only a place of high performance within that activity that we talked about, or the craft as I call it, but it's also a place of deadly accuracy, and time does not exist. For a while, I couldn't get into the zone because I thought too much. I was so analytical that I conjured up false scenarios that would continue to prevent me from allowing my instincts to act. I was a good baseball player as an example, but when I was in the game, fear would overtake me. Not because I had anything to fear, but because I couldn't control my mind and I allowed how I felt and my need for detail to alter my action. And since I was overly sensitive to how I felt in the moment of that decision, I often had bad games, but I had great practices. I just couldn't perform in the game. I overthought every situation. But then I stopped and thought about, but, but why? Why was that? Why was I so conscious of how I felt? Was it because I was always being ridiculed or condemned, as I stated before? Was I so guarded from feeling disappointed that I overanalyzed everything? I mean, maybe so, but this is why realizing paradigm is so important. You can refer back to episode one for more on that. Was my subconscious programming the reason why I could never get ahead? It's about to get very interesting and very dark. Let's tap into this dark side. As I stated earlier, we all have a dark side. It's that part of us we don't always acknowledge or show to the world. It may be your fears, your insecurities, suppressed emotions, but here is the intriguing part. These aspects of your personality that you've been suppressing, 
hold immense power. Let me explain. There's another area of the brain that elicits quite the addictive benefit for those that know how to tap into it. And the greats, they know how to do it. Another experiment in the field of neuroscience revealed that there's a subset of individuals that actually step forward when confronted with a high anxiety situation. Think fight, flight, or paralysis. Not only did the scientists find that the highest levels of anxiety are experienced during the act of facing the confrontation or fighting, but there is an addictive quality, a dopaminergic release by a part of the brain called the nucleus reunions. Furthermore, this study showed that there is an appetitive quality, a feeling of desire or anticipation linked to this part of the brain. This quality is the same as being addicted to the rush of success, as Tim Grover talks about. Not only does greatness continue to elude the relentless mind, aka the winner, but that mind is never satisfied. Dr. Huberman mentioned that subjects in the experiment that I stated continue to stimulate this part of the brain, the nucleus reunions, that led to a feeling of anticipation. There was a dopaminergic release in which they were addicted to it. They liked that feeling more than anything. They kept hitting that lever. Now, if you've read this very popular book, a book that I recommend for everyone listening to this podcast, if you've read the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, you're going to find striking similarities between the mindsets or what I would call the viewing lens of Kobe, of MJ, of Goggins, and the list goes on. These guys all thought the same. They all viewed life through this lens. And I'm going to speak on that right now. Each person had a similar competitive drive. It is an unquenched thirst for growth or evolution to be the very best at everything that we touch. Now, I can speak for myself here. Every time I was told I was never good enough, every time I was bullied, every time I was laughed at, I remember when this kid Andy spit on my head when I was on the bus, when I was in the sixth grade. I can still hear and see everyone on that bus, how everyone laughed at me. But I use that as fuel. It's one log on my fire. Being from Chicago, I noticed that same drive in a lot of people that I communicated with, whether they were in the street, whether they were in the recovery homes. No matter where I was at, there was someone in Chicago that held that same drive. And this is what I noticed. What we all have in common is that we are driven to ensure that we experience that place of winning, which has eluded us our whole lives. See, the cause isn't the problem. The rush to experience being at the top when they said we wouldn't is the driving force. Now, physiologically, we're aware of the place in the brain where dopamine is released and the feeling of anticipation that it brings. But we also know that the dark side is the fuel that prepares us to challenge ourselves to be higher than we've ever been. I'm going to quote David Goggins here. Take inventory of your cookie jar. Goggins mentions the cookie jar as, and I quote, a concept I've employed whenever I need a reminder of who I am and what I'm capable of. We all have a cookie jar inside of us. Because life, being what it is, has always tested us. Even if you're feeling low and beat down by life right now, I guarantee you can think of a time or two 
when you overcame odds and tasted success, end quote. See, this is memory recall used as a tool to induce the feeling of the experience during the time of success or of failure. I know a lot of people that keep these things locked away in that basement I talked about. They run from the dark side instead of harnessing it. They try to suppress that dark side. Maybe it's because they're afraid and they can't control it. But here is a tactic that I'm going to share with you. If you stop trying to suppress it, but instead direct that energy toward the preparation required to be the best at what you want to be the best at, then you can harness that dark side as a catalyst to experience the rush of anticipation and of pending victory. Physiologically, here is what happens when you deactivate the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, and I'll share what you can do to justify why turning off the noise in your mind during the task is essential. Impaired planning and organization. Don't plan, act. Reduced cognitive flexibility. Preparation that I talked about is for muscle memory. It's for accessing alternate scenarios that you've practiced for or that you have experienced prior to participating in your craft. Think of how much Kobe practiced, how much MJ practiced. They want to reduce the amount of time that they're thinking and instead act, react, trusting your gut. That ties into the next one. Impulsive decision making. Use your gut, not your head. Difficulty with problem solving. The more you think about the activity, the less accurate you become in solving the problem. Let's use speaking in public as an example. When you're in that craft, the last thing you want to do is conjure up with your imagination alternate selves with no preparation, alternate possibilities. That's when you get the, uh, um, that's when people aren't being brilliant, brief, and gone. Reduced attention control. Now, depending on the situation, you may need to be continuously aware of each external stimulus. Let's say focusing on only one area may present a weakness in another, especially in sports. So let's, let's use sports as an example. The game slows down for the greats. Think of Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't just focus on one area to throw the ball. He's actually active in many. And the game has slowed down so much when he's in that zone that he can anticipate, use his gut, and throw that ball accurately to the target. And finally... Lowered risk aversion. You use more risk and less caution. You're able to confront a situation. You're able to fight. Now let's compare this to the greats. How were they able to reach the zone? See, they were so prepared that they didn't need to stop and think about the decisions they were going to make. Their impulses were so in tune with alternate scenarios through practice and preparation that they were able to be both deadly accurate and quick at the draw. They didn't worry about taking a risk because they anticipated what was to come, success. So preparation and practice, pushing mental limits and harnessing that dark side I spoke of is what made the greats even greater. It's the callousing effect mentioned by David Goggins. Just like when you're working out and your skin toughens up and becomes calloused, this is a state of mental toughness where no limits exist. So Goggins and other dynamic athletes push themselves 
for the preparation of potential outcomes that require decisions. In this podcast, I put the word growth in the title for a reason. This is a science, and everyone can do it. Everyone can grow. Lastly, here are five steps to consider for accessing flow via the dark side. Number one, your paradigm is not to be the controlling factor of your life. It is only a storehouse of tools to be used for memory recall on demand. This is the cookie jar effect, as Goggins mentions. Use your past to pull out a memory from the cookie jar to experience that dark side when you need it. Don't let that dark side control your life. Control it. Number two, the memory itself conjures up the energy to properly prepare for the anticipated outcome, winning. In some cases, the motivation to push yourself is driven by a memory of failure or success. But if you're like me, failure has been a blessing in disguise. Number three, it is scientifically proven the more you think about what you're doing, when you are doing it, the less accurate you are. The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex causes over-analysis and more inaccurate results. Number four, when you prepare for the alternate possibilities within your craft, not only will you remain calm, think less, and you'll do more, but you'll be amazingly accurate when trusting your impulse. Flexibility versus specificity. Number five, face your dark side. Don't suppress it. And when that day comes, when you meet your dark side, when you're in solitude, control it. Don't let that dark side control you. Number six, separate preparation versus craft. The craft is not practice. Practice is preparation or permanence when in the craft for building an ability to impulsively succeed in it. We've reached the end of today's podcast, but remember, your dark side is not something to fear or something to hide from. If you embrace it and integrate it into your life, you can use it to tap into the flow state, which will lead to profound personal growth and enhanced performance. You will grow. Thank you for joining me on the Science of Growth podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe and leave me a review. And as always, be brilliant, be brief, and be gone. Have a great week.